welcome to the Hunter's Hub. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about the Iceborne Beta, uh, for the most part at least. Uh, this is Fortwan here, and joined by co-host Haru. Just, uh, just a cool cat here today. Right, and that's it. It's just the two of us. Uh, we've had a lot of people on recently, um, but we just couldn't find someone uh, in the time slot we needed to do it today. Typically, we record like on a Saturday or Sunday. It's the following Monday, so most people are working. Um, but um, right now, we're going to get into Iceborne Beta. So, uh, for context, I only got to play one evening. Uh, I've been preoccupied with life and actually other games. I just kind of want to save a lot of Iceborne content for Iceborne. Um, I kind of feel like uh, I don't want to burn myself out on Monster Hunter World before I get back into Monster Hunter World, if that makes sense. And uh, conversely, uh, I played all weekend. It was great. <laughs> I yeah. love Monster I mean, I do too. I just, you know. Non-biased, non-biased podcast here. Right. Uh. <laughs> I mean, like, the last I clocked, I think I've, I've gone up to 620 hours in the game. So I'm like, I think I played enough for now until Iceborne. So, yeah, we'll see. Um... But uh, to start off with, the demo was very much in the same vein of the previous Monster Hunter World demo, uh, which is, hey, here's a mission, essentially like a normal, you know, uh, Monster Hunter mission, go hunt this target monster in this locale with the chances of other monsters showing up, uh, which I think the monsters that show up in these ones are set I believe. I don't know. Yeah, they definitely have a um, fixed spawn for these quests. Right. But actually, Legiano um, was actually in the quest. It just was flying over in the mountain region. Out of The, the map was locked off at, at the northern boundary. So oh, there's okay. like... They put those like cheesy walls of ice and rock in the way. Right. <laughs> the uh, artificial barriers. Um, so for me... Um, it, it was mostly just playing the intermediate and the hard. So the beginner is Great Jagras. I don't need to fight another Great Jagras. I did the crown hunting and everything. Um, the uh, middle rank or the uh, mid-tier one was Bonborough. Um, and then the difficult one was Tigrex. Or as they call it, Tigrex. Which we now have an official pronunciation. Which is kind of bad. <laughs> no more debates. <laughs> well, at least, at least um, they spared us Raytheon. Got that. Yeah. Get that to the curb. Uh, so, what did you make yeah. of Bonbro? Uh, what are what, what weapon did you go in with? Uh, I went in with longsword. Uh, I'm going to be sticking with that and Iceborne. I think. Um, I did not uh, pull off the whatever counter, the new one. Um, because I didn't even care to look in the tutorial to do the new moves. I basically played it like old Monster Hunter with some Clutch Claw attacks in there. Yeah, the um, uh, Clutch Claw is pretty good if you can, just especially on retreating monsters, if you can snag it in time. You basically, they don't knock you off when they're just traveling. So it's basically free damage. Right, because they're not technically attacking. So, yeah. yeah. Um... So Bond Bros, the fight uh, was was pretty, pretty good. Like good. Um, it was definitely a brute wyvern, that's for sure. 
Um, it gave me more of a feel of um, something like Duramboros more than any of the other Brute Wyverns. The sort of big, bulky uh, type of Brute Wyvern instead of uh, something like, uh, let's say, Brachydeus or Anjanath that are a little bit more mobile. You know what I mean? Um, they're a little bit more of an agile right. version of the, the monster. Um, so, for me, uh, I had a lot of fun with it, um, considering that Durambrus is my favorite of the Brute Wyverns. Um, the objective I always have is break everything I can, so I try to break everything I could. Um, uh, did you change your armor at all in the beta? I did. I just... I made a mix set that did a bunch of attack boost and evaded distance. Yeah, I switched between like cosmo or fashion hunting with the Lugiana set, and I used the uh, a lot of builds with the Constitution and uh, and Marathon Runner uh, skills that decrease stamina depletion. Those were in the sets available. Right. Okay. Um. Well, I managed to cut off the tail, I managed to break the horns, and break a leg? Or some sort of crest on the leg or something? I feel like that's what I broke. I wasn't paying all that much attention. Huh. Um, but the cl clutch claw uh, helped a lot in that aspect, especially with the tail. Because um, you were able to do more damage to get it off. Um, I do believe the, the tail actually came off of a... Uh, um. Oh gosh, foresight slash counter. Nice. Uh, so that was that was pretty awesome. I think what I've heard is that you have to for the light weapons like longsword, clutch claw attacks, mm -hmm. uh, drop slinger ammo, and they will weaken uh, if you hit twice on the same spot. I could be wrong on that. But... Yeah. No, I definitely hit multiple times um, on the tail. Because I was trying to get the tail off, so uh, I think I uh, claw grabbed and executed on the tail three times. Actually, um, it probably was weakened after two, but I just had the opportunity to do the third, so I did. Because it's free damage, it feels like. Um, yeah, the um, uh, Bonborough was pretty. I think in the trailer we saw a lot of it's doing its charging attack. But until you really get into the oh, hunt, yeah. it's hard to see the more nuanced animations it has. Like, it has this sort of fade slash where it's, like, uh, shakes its antlers into the into the snow and, like, digs a big path, uh, and it retreats a little bit. Yeah. And it's got Anjanath's double tail whip, and also the sort of... I think it's something like uh, Basil Geese that has this, but it has the, like tail circle spin where it digs its tail around mm -hmm. into the ground yes um, the thing that got me a couple times is the charge that it does um, it has like a wind up but then it goes back and forth it doesn't just go one way it then comes back and then comes back again so there's actually three points of danger with it which is much like Tigrex or Tigrex um so that kind of threw me off and got me hit. Um, I tried to... I, I got hit by every attack um, at least once. <laughs> and this was 
this makes it sound like it was scientific and like, ha ha ha. No, I literally just got hit by pretty much every attack because I was kind of rushing. I wanted to kill it before time was up, which I had like, I don't know, nine and a half minutes to spare when I killed it. Um, we did run into Beatotis. Uh, we as in me and my Palico. I played solo. Um, the Beatotis did have the... Uh, um, turf war happen, and then um, yeah, it was Paytonus was bigger than I thought it was going to be. I mean, smaller. I meant, I meant. Yeah, it kind of disappears um, into the snow. Yeah, and I was like, wow, for that menacing, he looks really small. That's one thing I liked is when he has the ice armor on his back. It's really hard to see him. He swims out of your field of mm-hmm. vision, which kind of befits the predator. Um, and what you expect of that. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it had a lot of... If, it had, like, a spinny attack. I, I fought it a couple times. Uh, and its den, uh, when it finally retreated, uh, it was on the far south uh, southeast of the map. And it was just sort of... It was mm-hmm. very similar to the Baroth den. It was just the deep, deep snow uh, was the main hazard there. And it just kind of just took a rest next to sort of like a Skyrim overhang with a bunch of bones <laughs> where the, you know, random wildlife would spawn in a game like that. Right. And yeah, it did. What I liked about Beethoven most is that while it had a firm boundary going onto the bridge to the north, because that was like ice, there was nowhere for it to swim. Uh, uh, just like the other Pisces Wyverns in the game, it did have a large enough range to, to move around in, because it could go up to the area of, with, of the collapsing snowfield. It had uh, four or five areas to to roam through. Right. Huh. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't follow him too much. I just sort of. I hit him a couple times because he was there with uh, Bonborough, and when Bonborough ran off, I just sort of followed Bonborough. Like, it wasn't... Like I said, I was pretty much, like, strike force, like, I'm going to get this done kind of thing. Um, I didn't really have any troubles with Bonborough. I think he was a good fight, but, like, as far as, like... As far as it goes, it felt like... Uh, it felt like a little little more unique than I felt it would, but I'm not like blown away by him either. Like I'm not he's not gonna be one of my favorite monsters, I'll tell you that. Like he's just sort of there. <laughs> sure, I think I don't know exactly, but I have the feeling that the beta demo or beta demo beta difficulty was reduced again as it was with because uh, World's oh, original beta was super easy. Um for some reason. A lot. Well, because they wanted to get people into the game. Yeah, for that reason. <laughs> That's the sub reason. But, yeah, I really liked Bonborough. I thought I was... I've always been really intrigued by the concept of uh, it, like, picking up objects in the environment. I mean, sure, it just digs yeah. the boulders out of the ground, sure, but uh, it being able to, like, detect contextually when it runs into a tree and add a tree to its, like, weapon slot, I guess. <laughs> and its horns is... Very cool. And just, like, throwing a log at you is ridiculous. It's like, what are you going to do? Yeah, I did get hit. 
I did get hit by that log. I was like, oh, geez, I know how to get out of this. So I tried to Superman dive, and then I did the input wrong. Because it's been a while since I played. So I just got bowled over by a tree. So that was fun. Uh, It gave me Ice Blight. That was not as fun. Yeah, it's interesting because Beatotis and Bombero, they can both deal ice damage and ice blight, but they're not, like, breathing frost like like uh, Volcano or previous monsters. No, it's purely environmental, uh, and then, but they only live in the Aura Frost Reach as far as we know, so... Yeah. Makes sense. Um, how did you feel about the special sheath and being able to work that into your combos? I didn't do it. Oh. I didn't know how. I didn't even try. <laughs> well, I kind of have to tell you, because it's insane. For Longsword, okay. you have the round slash, which automatically sheathes your weapon at the end of every every major combo, right? Yeah. So, at the end of the round slash, you have one new combo option called Special Sheath, and you can sheath your weapon and go into the EI slash or the EI spirit slash, which is the one that consumes and has iframes. Very, yeah, very yeah. selective iframes. Um, but just if you just go into the normal uh, EI slash, it's a two-hit attack that starts uh, refilling your spirit gauge. So there's no reason not to do it. There's no cost, no nothing. Right. And you can just combo after the spirit round slash. So you can spirit round slash from yellow, level up to red, uh, EI slash, then right after that go into a spirit thrust and do a helmbreaker on the monster and it's mm-hmm. it's and then sheathe after the helmbreaker and go into another EI slash hmm. it's it's really crazy the kind of combo nonsense and it's going to get even better because in the full game uh, sheath will affect the EI, the, EI, the special sheath uh, so you'll be able to speed up your combos essentially yeah but it sounds amazing. I just didn't care to look up the inputs to do it. So I didn't. <laughs> um, there was one uh, big change for the longsword, which is the foresight slash. You can't do it, or you can you can execute it, but it doesn't have any iframes unless it consumes spirit gauge. Yeah. So you have to hit the monster, and you have to, between each foresight slash, you have to hit the monster at least once recently so you so you can counter yeah that's that's good yeah uh, in my opinion because you do this otherwise people just spam it which is fine but the intended use is to work it in um uh that being said for me that's a good transition into tigrex or tigrex so screwed uh, me up at the start of this hunt it was like what why isn't it just why is it not working (laughs) Well, it's not even that. They changed his hitbox for his spin. Um, That thing's huge. So, so, um, it used to be he would set himself up, and you would see he would kind of curl up, kind of like a cat when it's trying to go to sleep. (laughs) And then he would just, like, unleash, and, like, basically he's he's spring-loading himself, and he would just unleash and spin. Um, And it's a lot more, I don't know, uh... And uh, well animated uh, in in world, it's it, you, it's more, it looks more believable, I would say, because you actually sort of see his feet like pumping now to sort of spin him. And uh, the 
the hitbox used to be as soon as he started spinning, you could be like, okay, I dodged it, I'm safe, or I blocked it, I'm safe. It actually has a hitbox, like, I think it's two two hits now. Like, I think it actually is the, the initial spin and the secondary, like, when he's, like, finishing, is also a hit. So I kept trying to um, counter the 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 that because I I know it you know I've played generations you know I've played you know every game that Tigrex has been in and um, yeah since Freedom Two and like I know how to fight Tigrex and like it was uh, it was different it threw me off um, and they changed his AI too. Uh, his AI is far more aggressive than, and that sounds unbelievable because he was already aggressive, but yeah, he trapped me in a corner and never stopped doing the back up and bite. Like, he just completely, uh, I, the only reason why I didn't die or didn't faint at that point is because of the cat ability to revive you. There's a, uh, a little window you can get out of Tigress with now, is if you dodge sort of under his, one of his arms. In the opposite of the direction that he's biting. I mean, I know that, but I was right trapped. I was literally trapped. Like it was, I had a good maybe two feet of distance, and he would just like chomp, 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 spin, chomp. I was like, I'm done. Like it's out. I'm dead. Like uh, I can't do anything. And I even did the thing where you stay down longer and all that kind of stuff. And it was uh, a little surprising uh, because he did not go after my cat. My cat was on the other side, and I was just like, "What is going on?" Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, Tigrex is a lot more aggressive uh, in some ways, and I think that makes sense. Um, and it's probably why I timed out on this quest too, as I, I wasted a good couple minutes uh, dealing with with uh, adjusting to his behavior. Um. So I had to play it safer after that, um, I like the, <laughs> and sort of relearn the fight. I like the area the tiger spawns in. That sort of very uh, cathedral-like uh, frozen cavern, because there's yeah. the vents coming up out of the floor, and if you have the glider mantle on, or if there's a geyser erupting from the one in front of you, as tiger is charging, you can just sort of boop and jump over it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you time it right. Um, uh, one thing about the 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 slinger stuff um, that that I noted with Tigrex is piercing pods wreck him, and that's what he gives you. Yeah. Um, Bonbro give you the sticky thorns, the ones that KO. I actually KO'd with the longsword Bonbro three times uh, <laughs> with his own pods, um, but. Uh, I stopped Tigrex from charging a lot of the time just by shooting the piercing pods at him. He'd come at me and I'd just shoot the piercing pod and he's like, oh, sorry, never mind. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was at the very end of a hunt when, later when I was experimenting with Switchax again and I he, he was coming at me and it, we were like, it, it had been five minutes remaining a while ago that notification came up. And I hit him with three piercing pods, and we just got sort of desperately uh, wailed on him. It was a duo hunt, and we we hit, got him in the last, like, 15 seconds or so. I checked the time. Ooh. And we just barely did And this was after, like, taking him out with the whole collapsing snowfield hazard and dropping one of the uh, uh, 
sort of like the rotten veil fangs, one of these uh, big icicles on him. The icicles, uh, yeah. Uh, so we had done a lot of damage to this guy, and he was. We finally eked it out. Oh boy, yeah. I don't. I don't think I'm gonna get that reward <laughs> when ice board comes. Just the Bonbro one, which I mean, it's just items, right? It's not like, oh, costumes and whatnot. Yeah, I don't. Th well, I think in the last beta there was like a face paint or something you got, but I haven't seen much of that on the yeah. Japanese Twitter. So maybe that'll be if they add a what, what would be the Nergigante uh, of this beta. Yeah, I suppose, which would probably be Valkana if they did that. I'm not convinced they're going to add Valkana, because they'd have to open up the rest of the Horfrost Reach if they want to save that for the they main would. game. Right, and I'm not even sure I would play if that was the case. Just because I want to save it. Yeah. The, um... Right. So the other thing that was in the beta were the... this Ancient Forest quest, and it's straight up the original Monster Hunter World trailer, and you have a Great Jagras, a Anjanath, and a Rathalos. Yep. Um, so Great Jagras, it gets sort of its greatest Jagras moves when it's inflated, and it can use that Dodogama oh, okay. to uh, vomit up like chunks of meat. I think the hitbox yeah. is smaller, and they're less, obviously less damaging, thankfully. They definitely, um, I, I got the hint that they were at least referencing the greatest Jagras in the quest description when I read it. Um, or something, because I remember I was like, huh, that's weird. Like, uh, um, greatest Jagras, it was like the name of the quest. It wasn't greatest Jagras, but the, the something of the greatest, something like that. I was like, huh, that seems odd. And it's a, that kind of doesn't surprise me now that you're saying, you know, he had greatest Jagras moves. Because I didn't even attempt it. Like I said, it's greatest Jagger. It's great Jagras. Like, how many hundreds of those have I killed? Yeah. I'm, I could probably check now. I'm not sure if it kept the cold, like, fist slam or ground pound, whatever you want to call it. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I didn't hunt it too much. Um, I did hunt an Anjanath, and I saw its new move once. Which is it sort of it's and this is the G-Rank versions. It sort of starts its big uh, fire fire uh, breath attack, and it sort of aims it at the ground, yeah. and it sort of like trembles, shudders for a moment before like whipping the fire up and like uh, sort of like um, called Taroth with its heat beam, or it just raises up through the area. Okay, I was thinking more like Savage Devil Joe, when he does the stomps, and he swipes up when he's doing the, the Dragon Breath. Is it kind of like that? So he kind of starts geared low and just swipes up? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I've seen that one, though. Hmm. Yeah, Savage Devil Joe would do that crazy, like, he's standing up like on his tippy toes and his head's up in the air. It looks all doofy. And then he puts his head down and just slashes across in front of him twice with the breath weapon. And it kind of, like, if you were to draw with it, it kind of creates an X in front of him. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of what you're reminding me of when you're saying that. Um, so, yeah, Anjanath wasn't too changed that I noticed, but I didn't spend much time with him. And the last right. thing is Rathalos flies a lot more. 
Uh, people say it's immune, but it's not really immune to flash pods. It just doesn't instantly fall out of the sky. Sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. Um, and it gets this right. new triple fireball, but while flying. So it's sort of like uh, <laughs> Kushala Deora and the wind blasts in, in midair. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, and it's fireballs. People were saying it's fireballs got um, wind pressure. Oh. Yeah, they used to have wind pressure in uh, previous versions, not world, but yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, so Rathalos definitely, of the three, felt the most new. Because it was spending so much more time in the air, and because you had the Clutch Claw to uh, interact with it more. Right. Yeah, it, that definitely changes how you handle um, flying monsters much more. Um, assuming this is like the launch versions of these monsters, though, it sort of reconfirms my suspicions that Jarek eh, doesn't change that much. It's just you know the numbers. But it numbers never really did. Bit. It never really changed like moves that much. Like um, yeah. Heck, I can't even remember. I guess. No, I think the only thing that changed that was like, okay, you really have to worry about this, uh, was Rathian having the, um, in like generations, having sort of like the, okay, now the fireballs blow up and ignite everything in front of her, but that's kind of what happens now anyways. So, like, <laughs> like, it's not that much different in world so i don't yeah i could see it being sort of like okay one or two new moves and that's it um and of course better stats that reminds me though i am excited to see about rathian and baroth because i love those monsters uh but they're just a little bit easy in world and i'd love to see them get a brought up to the par that they were before like old baroth is such a stingy monster <laughs> Right. Um, so, you know, we talk about, like a lot about like uh, large monsters and the maps and that kind of stuff. Uh, something that you brought to my attention earlier this week that I wanted to mention was crown hunting for endemic <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've made it a point, Monster Hunter World, despite having played every other, you know, U.S. release and some non-U.S. releases of the game, um, I have never done crown hunting until World. And I told myself, I'm going to do every every crown, and I'm going to keep it that way in World. And I kept it, like, I got Lunastra, even though Lunastra is not required for the trophy, and, you know, like, all that kind of stuff. And Devil Joe is not required either. Um, so... I think I'm going to have to do crown hunting for endemic life, which means there's probably a good artificial two to 300 hours going to be on my save, uh, looking for the freaking bristly birds in their gold crown forms. So we're not really <sighs> sure yet if there's a, uh, large and a minimum crown for these monsters. Um, okay. we just haven't really seen enough. Uh, but, you can't crown hunt these things because there's rare endemic life. You can't crown hunt a rare spawn. How would that even work? 
Like I said, two to three hundred hours. Fortune, <laughs> don't. You can just just punch a He's tiger. I'll hate the game. Uh, if I do it, it'll be the last thing I do. Yeah. Like I will have already crown hunted all the larger monsters that I could, finished all the content. Um. Yeah, that kind of stuff. There, there's a point in there though that it's. Inter- I wonder if the sizes for endemic life are going to translate to the versions that you capture and have in your room. Because that'd be interesting if you could have specific versions of a crake or a uh, wiggler uh, hanging right. out. You walk up to the pot and it almost eats you like that freaking thing. Actually, you know, I could see it. Being like really big and reminding you of uh, those stupid worms in uh, Dark Souls. Have you ever seen those Mm-mm. gigantic? They basically eat you to teleport to you from like the above ground and the bottom ground. They're really weird looking, but they're uh, giant, and uh, I could imagine the Wiggler looking like one of them. <laughs> the, yeah, the um, and there was also that that uh, text in a special edition. It's like you'll get a special set of furniture for your room, which uh, calls back to Try and the room decorations from Moga Village. Um, oh, yeah. Which I really loved, because you get statues of, like, Agnactor and Lagiacris. Uh, yeah, that, I loved the Kuripeka lamp. <laughs> yeah. I think that was my favorite lamp. There was some, there was some sillier stuff in there as well. Uh, and like, just, like, horns, like some sand wyvern or something. But it'll be interesting if they have that and the endemic life in the in the new ho- homes in uh, Iceborne, because that would be a lot of customization options. And uh, they're probably going to sell stuff on the microtransaction store and uh, on a sucker. So, there you go. You know, that reminds me, you're talking about the Sand Wyvern... Um, did you did you happen to catch uh, this was posted on our Discord? There was a leak of the teaser for Monster Hunter movie. Oh yeah, I watched that. Did you see this? It was, it was uh, pretty brief and off off kilter of the screen. Right. Um, we only got to see one monster, uh, and that was in the desert. Um, they talked about you know like oh it's another world or whatever, and, you know all this epic bullcrap movie taglines and then yeah and then uh diablos pops out and i'm like cool and then he doesn't do the diablos roar he makes some sort of generic monster movie roar and i'm like just i'm just i I don't i'm beside myself like i just why (laughs) like one of the most iconic roars and why why would you i I don't know at least they remember I wish Diablo's they were... digs and doesn't fly. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's half the battle. So far. We only got three seconds. They could have messed it up entire, entirely. Um, but yeah. Yeah, sorry. That's quite a bit of a tangent. I was just like, ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. We, we, I got disappointed all over again. We have to see a proper trailer to see if it's, if it's going back to the U.S. military or if it's going to be going to be an actual Monster Hunter movie. The, yeah. I wanted to touch, because uh, we talked a lot last week about all the different hazards you could find in the Horfrost Reach. Uh, like we said, mm-hmm. at the bottom of the collapsed snowfield in that cave area, there are these uh, icicles you can drop on monsters. 
and yeah. the other thing was on the bridge, those black crystals embedded in ice, on this sort of ice bridge, if monsters attack them, they will shatter them, and it'll spray black, black crystals everywhere, um, and it'll damage both you and the monsters that are uh, in proximity. Right. So that's really... I didn't... I didn't catch them myself. Uh, I think the only uh, hazard I interacted with was the giant icicles. Um, and I missed Tigrex with both of them. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. The, um... We, we did see in the environment, though, that these black crystals were sort of in mineral veins in the ground. So they've got to be, like, right. a crystal or a coal or something like that. Yeah, I, was, I could see it being coal and it sort of shatters. Like, that, that yeah, like, could be like a, a Like a shale formation or something like that. Man, that's getting yeah, really and it just... nitpicky. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I really ended up liking the Horfrost Reach. Just the the amount of diversity yeah. in the in the icy and snowy environments, the art team just it's hard to explain it all, but you you see each area has these unique ice formations and different styles of things and uh, it, it it reminds me so I got I got this thought while I was playing and I'm glad you brought this up because I I would have forgot to talk about it but. Um, I've always talked about the environments in Monster Hunter have always been awesome. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that even, like, and I mean always as in from Monster Hunter 1, but, like, you think about an area, let's say, like, the Forest and Hills, and if anyone's played Generations, the Forest and Hills is, what, the Verdant Hills now? Um, basically, the top right of the map, Area 3, it's a pretty generic looking weird blob of an area that has like two hills so that you can mount things. Uh, didn't used to have those. And a couple trees and like four paths into different uh, other areas that are clearly like caves or pathways through rocks and that kind of stuff. And that's not very impressive uh, to look at like, okay, well, if we're looking at where we're fighting, it's pretty open, there's pretty sparse vegetation. And so on. Um, but you look into the background and you see this rolling mountains with streams and Aptonoth herds moving. And, and, you know, obviously it's not very well animated, but it still gives you this idea of scale and grandeur. And, like, it's always... And, like, a lot of Monster Hunter throughout the whole entire series has made these awesome-looking environments. But it's had a problem bringing that awesomeness to the battleground, like where you're actually fighting. I think Horfrost Reach is the epitome of bringing that outside environment awesomeness to the battleground. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it looks so vibrant and life, you know, and life filled despite it being like a snowy like forest. You know, you would think, well, I mean, I don't know. You Have you ever gone into a snowy, I, I don't know. You're, you're in, you're on the West Coast, right? I don't know if you're Southern or Northern. Um, I mean, I've been next to a snowy forest, like when it snowed in my house. Okay. So I there are a lot of... I live in a rural area, very a lot of woods and that kind of stuff. And if, if you look at Google Maps, you'll see a forest. And you have to zoom in and you'll see my road. But, um, uh, the, like, snowy forests aren't this vibrant. 
<laughs> right. Like when it's snowy, you'll see birds and you'll see maybe a rabbit or two. Uh, if that rabbit feels like dying this winter and maybe some deer, if you're lucky. Yeah, things are um, hibernating. Right. Um, so there's like a lot more life to this, uh, map, the Horfrost Reach that the, and the design of it. And it's very varied too. Like, we, you know, we're not just talking like, oh, here's like the beginning areas with the forest and that kind of stuff. You go up to the ice bridge and, you know, like those upper, uh, icy areas and the caves and all that kind of stuff they all look very it's weird they're full but they're not busy you know what i mean they're not right it's not just a bunch of like visual noise it is it feels very well done i (laughs) I guess is the point i think one of the things i was sort of uh, a little bit disappointed with um i mean proportionate to this being one of my favorite games ever uh understand right with Monster Hunter World was the Elder's Recess, it felt like they sort of ran out of endemic life, ran out of small monsters. Um, and that area felt very Yeah, barren. that did feel very sparse. Like, is there even endemic life there? Well, there's the... I mean, there's Vespoids and Barnos and the uh, Gastodons, but they're sort of few and far between. Those are, like, actual small monsters, though, that you can carve. Like, those aren't like actual the endemic life like yeah all the endemic life is like reskins like the fire toad the fire uh dung dung beetle oh yeah okay yeah anyway yeah i forgot about the toads the but in the horfrost reach they've added all these little new critters like the the birds that are actually super hard to catch they didn't just like grab the uh blissbills or the uh revultures uh, and stick them into the snow. Uh, and, and they made those little uh, Pearl Spring macaques, the monkeys in the hot springs. Uh, and, you know, they have the the, 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 the snowball beetle uh, that's sort of similar to what they've had in previous areas. But I like right. that there's just a lot going on, and it's very varied. And of course, they have the penguins... Uh, everyone loves those. <laughs> I haven't seen the penguins yet. Uh, if you just look into the ocean from that one area, they're just all over all the rocks. They're seemingly out of reach, though. <laughs> so I think we're going to have to find a different way to ca- capture them. But I'd be right. shocked if we couldn't capture the penguins. I mean, come on. The And, and hmm. also there's... It's weird, because when you go out, out at night and you look off into the ocean, you see uh, flying medusos, those flying jellyfish from the Coral Highlands, uh, just, like, drifting in clouds, which sort of... Hmm. It's, it, it makes this sort of very Viking-esque, very heavy uh, northern fantasy environment. Uh, it ties it back to the more fantastical elements of Western world that... Uh, uh, sort of separate Monster Hunter from other fantasy universes, because it's not just uh, you know goblins and orcs and uh, dragons. It's it's these these things that really don't uh, they go off in oblique angles from your expectations. Right. Yeah, yeah. When you talk about like more traditional like Tolkien like fantasy, it's like here is the. Um, like England area environment 
with orcs in it and elves <laughs> and we replaced wolves with wargs and we replaced this with this <laughs> like yeah. there's a lot of like um um you know like straight like this is you know our world but with other things in it um but monster Hunter, yeah it's its own thing like everything is its own thing and there's certainly we have monsters that are based off of other things that are relatable for instance Nargakuga is it's you know it is a panther or you know cougar it was just weird they use cougar but cougars anyways it's a big cat mixed with uh uh you know a wyvern that's what i like though is that it's not just like pokemon oh this is the dog pokemon it's like is it a panther is it a sort of like a bird or some sort of avian or and it has that right. kind of rattling uh, tail of the quills, and it still looks believable, too. Like it still looks like it could actually occur, but it's not like it's not like there are panthers and here is the panther dragon. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so, which is kind of what happens in other fantasies. You know what I mean. So then you get um, this is this is a problem I have and a little bit of a tangent here I'm sorry but with uh, you know D and D right D and D does a lot of this and then we were talking about the Tolkien esque mm-hmm. stuff and D and D like um, the description of like a manticore or an owl bear or all these mythical creatures that are like literally like mashups of other creatures are like oh it was some where's their experiment or breeding that put the two animals together. And it's like, that is a super lazy way to explain a monster, like in its origins. So when I do my ecologies, I never just say, hey, some wizard experiment created an owl bear. It's like, it's like, no, they came from, you know, a common ancestor of the bear. And then like, they ended up having owl-like features because this, this, and this. And you like, you know, try to explain it through actual science and not just, hey, magic. (laughs) um so yeah i mean i think it's a difference between uh just fantasy obviously takes a lot of elements of mythology and that sort of creates the the monsters in the world but it's the difference between being uh just like taking stuff and uh being transformative and making it your own right uh and another thing is with things like you know floating jellyfish it's very easy to drift into sci-fi and to have this sort of alien feeling, uh, quote-unquote fantasy world. Uh, so that's a fine right. line to walk, but I think Monster Hunter uh, has enough grounded elements that you don't never think, like, oh, why does my hunter just have a laser gun and, you know, run around? <laughs> laser cannon dinosaurs versus undead mechs. Yeah, I don't know. There was some game coming out in August that is literally that. <laughs> like, I think when you have a sci-fi monster like Nakarkos or Xenojiva, it always feels like the exception to the rule, rather than... Right. Right. Man, could you imagine a world version of Nakarkos? Dude, I, like, I'm sad that thing was relegated to the 3DS versions, because that's, design-wise, one of the cooler monsters, especially, um... When it goes into like the hyper rage mode or the ending mode, when it gets all bioluminescent and stuff, that is a really cool monster. Yeah, um, and the whole—that's another clever way to do uh, sort of an undead monster without breaking the world and like introducing right. magic. Um, yeah, it was 
super neat. It's one of those things where limitation breeds creativity. But uh, my, my right. final Monster Hunter note I wanted to go into was yeah. uh, in the Horfrost Reach, there are two spaces that look an awful like, like monster dens that nothing goes to. Because Ben Barrow and Tigrex share a den in that sort of wooden uh, bramble hollow. Mm-hmm. And Beethotus just has a room. Uh, we've we've seen, presumably, Shrieking like Anna's den from the trailer, and I think Valkana's den right. is some sort of thing at the top of the mountain uh, somewhere uh, that we haven't been to yet. But uh, there are these two spaces, one in the caves in this sort of rotten veil-looking area with all these poison ponds, and one that's overlooking mm-hmm. the area Tigrix starts in, there's a hole in the wall that connects them as if something could fly up there. Uh, and it has these... Hmm. It's a really cool environment. Uh, it, it's like the walls of it are windblown, like you see the direction is frozen these icicles away from the entrance from the outside. And you see mm-hmm. these carcasses, frozen carcasses of um, popos, uh, and you see their tusks sort of uh, curved up against the wall, and they sort of provide a texture to the room uh, in, in sort of the same way that armor mm-hmm. uh, can take inspiration from the different creatures. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping one of those is Beryth. It sounds like the second one yeah, could be. It, that, that was my a first. A large predator uh, like that. But who knows? We may get something totally different. Um yeah, because I couldn't see, even though both Narga and Tigrix are, you know, technically roaming monsters, um, I could see Barrieth being, um, you know, the, the one of the stationary pseudo wyverns, I would say. Because it's specifically, you know, adapted to the cold environments. So we we could we could see that. Um, and also the, just the, the layout of the Horfrost Reach and where we see, uh, the remainder of the map, uh, that's not uncovered, or that's, yeah, uh, is all towards the mountainous regions, which screams Barrios to me, because there's not really, if you think about it, there's not many ice monsters in the series, and the other one they can include would be... The other returning monster they can include would be, like, Langanga. Uh, mm-hmm. If they go that route, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. I'd rather them do a new one than Langanga. <laughs> yeah, really. against them. It's just... Um, well, I don't know. Because that'd, that'd be interesting, because then it would open up, uh, it would open up doors based on his skeleton to Rajong. Right? But, I mean... Yeah, so maybe do that Maybe again. that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. I hate that monster. Deal with Super Saiyan Monkey, yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the very uh, 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 we just talked about how believable the monsters are. I think Rajong is one of the more out there monsters. <laughs> dumb, you can say dumb. Yeah, I mean, I still will never get behind his ecology in quotations that he gets lightning from eating Kirins. Like, no. No, they're called an elder dragon because they're the strongest, and he's not an elder dragon. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would be if they, if <laughs> this expansion. It's gonna be like the biggest WTF moment. 
right. <laughs> I, I don't see. I don't really particularly see the monkeys coming back, but who knows? Um, yeah. And yeah, obviously the other area with poison in a cave uh, in the Arctic. It, that's three signifiers of Giganox, uh, if it is in fact a returning monster. Um, right. Although I guess, yeah. I guess it could just as easily be an Odogaran subspecies because they have introduced Legiana as one of the sort of pseudo-flagships of the world uh, to the Horfrost Reach. And the there are also like these caverns in the walls uh, that would facilitate a monster to get around without, uh, without actually walking through the inbounds area of the map. Sure. It'd be nice if they had like one of those hook beetles that we could go up in those caverns, but I guess not. No, yeah, it's like that wall. It's like that wall Anjanath can walk through uh, to get into the central area of the ancient tree. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, you can't go. Um. Okay. Uh, I didn't have much else to add. I like I said, I didn't play the the beta near as much. Um, but did you, do you have anything more? Oh no, I'm all <laughs> stuff. That's enough. You're you're all baited out. Um. So we uh, we haven't done this in a couple of weeks, but um, we like to uh, normally in the beginning actually, but just the Monster Hunter news that has been pouring out. Um, we like to get into what we've been playing recently, um, and I don't know if I talked about that I had started it or or whatnot, um, but it, it's also been a little while since I played it. Uh, Neo or Nio or whatever you want to call it, the Dark Souls esque. Uh, a game that is more story driven and more arcadey uh, is what I started playing. Um, I originally wanted to get it uh, because I was I was super into Dark Souls and Demon Souls and that kind of stuff um, a, lo- a long time ago. Um, but well, I mean I won't say a long time ago, a couple of years ago. Um, but I sort of like didn't finish Dark Souls. And I didn't enjoy two, so I didn't have any interest in three. And then I didn't like Bloodborne, so it kind of, kind of just like, eh, it all came to eh to me until I, you know, obviously talked about it a lot recently. Sekiro. Well, because of Sekiro, I decided to pick up Neo, which was one that came out at the same time as the Switch. Like literally, I think it was the same release week as the Switch is when Neo came out. I think it is, is uh, Neo, like Matrix Neo. Yeah, I Neo, Neo, I don't know. Because I've said Neo and people have been like, Matrix? And I'm like, I don't know. It's the Scottish guy that goes to Japan in Dark Souls style. Like, <laughs> um, but this is made by... But yeah, it's, uh, uh, is it Omega Force? You know, I really don't remember who the developers are. Um, Whoever made uh, Ninja Gaiden. Wow. Uh, yeah yeah that could be it i'm not as familiar with that series i played i played three because the wii u needed games and it was a game at the time (laughs) um but yeah uh the the game is is fun uh it is much more mission based uh so like you go to a like you have like an actual like overworld map like a la super mario world and three style like nodes on a map (laughs) A little bit more drawn out and less cartoony, but you know what I mean. Um, and you go there, and it's like, okay, here's three missions to select from. You go in, and the map is the same, the environment, but you might start in a different place in the map and have a different goal to get to in the map. 
Uh, and then there's always a boss at the end of that in some way. It, it may just be like a tough enemy that isn't really a boss room. But yeah, so you basically mission style go through a map, you get to the end of it, and then you do complete the mission. Um, and it's it's really fun. Uh, it's it's loot based. So instead of being like, okay, I got souls off of which you still get, you know, currency or whatever off of the dudes that die. Um, your level up stuff is souls. Your currency is money that they drop. Um, so they split it out. Uh, unlike the souls like games where they're one and the same currency and experience are the same thing. Um, this one uh, splits it out so it's a little bit uh, different and then also equipment is random you can get like and it's rarity based so kind of like Diablo in that aspect uh, sort of like a looter in the same aspect so it's it's been fun uh, I haven't gotten too far I've literally only beat the first two story missions and then played a couple side missions so far um, what was the uh, but first it's, area in the in the game First area is sort of like a burning village. Um, you're sort of shipwrecked on the side. The, the right. tutorial, I will say that's the first true area. The tutorial area, you're actually in England in an English castle. Um, Interesting. And you have a, a sort of guardian spirit, which is another mechanic of the game. You basically build up like a super move through a guardian spirit. And your dude has, like, a koi fish that's a guardian spirit, a little fairy lady. Um, she gets kidnapped uh, by the bad dude, and you basically run off to Japan to save her. Um, I played sort of. the, that's uh, kinda... the Alpha and the Beta, and I think that was the, the shipwrecked area where you go up the hill to the shrine into the woods, and then beyond that, you get into the uh, burning village, and there's that boss with the... Uh, sort of uh, ball and chain, the giant metal uh, uh, balls he's throwing around the ship. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was... Um, that's very early in the game. I think that's the first actual mission. Because, uh... So you fought something inside of a ship? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's the first mission. Um... And that's a tough fight. Uh, that's, yeah, it took me quite a bit of tries. Um, I ended up picking, uh, so you get to pick uh, a couple weapons to pick, and like I picked spear because I thought that would be cool, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, but I haven't got to play that as much because I've been playing another game on my Switch called Slay the Spire. Uh, have you ever heard of this, Haru? Um probably i have no idea it's some indie game right it's an indie game it is it is a deck building roguelike and it is really weird so you basically you have three characters to pick from and they all have their own unique decks or whatever to build with and they have a starting relic and basically you go through different paths which is very much roguelike right so these nodes here's a fight here's a treasure chest here's a campfire Blah, 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 to get to a boss and then that's like three floors of that or levels of that so you get to the third one and you beat it right well it's tough right it's roguelike so you, each new 
try as a new run. You have to start your deck over again. But every time you defeat a monster, you get to add another card to your deck. And there's, like, uh, events, like in FTL or something like that, where something can happen. And it's like this mysterious man once uh, is a beggar and asks for 75 gold in exchange for something. And so you do that. And it's, it's really interesting because it's a deck builder where you add cards sometimes to your deck that you don't want. So you have ways of removing cards from your deck also. So it's more like managing your deck to fight in battles. And you, it's really cool because you're on a, it's also like an RPG where it's turn-taking. So your turn, enemy turn, your turn, enemy turn. But on your turn, you can see what the enemy's going to do next turn. So you can see, hey, I'm going to attack for like 9 damage. So you can mitigate that by saying, okay, I'm going to block for like 15 because like his guy's also doing six so like your cards dictate what you can do obviously you draw and sometimes you don't get the right cards it's like hey we're gonna attack for 67 damage you have 32 health and all you have is attack cards sorry your run's over <laughs> like <laughs> you can't kill us all fast enough or whatever like so it it's difficult uh, and i've been learning how to play it uh, i got my brother into playing it also so <laughs> we've both been sort of just uh, going through it on our own, and it's it's tough. Um, there gets to be some crazy combos you can do. Uh, there's like stuff. It's like every time that you play a card, uh, you uh, was it exhume it or something, which means remove it from the game. Right? It's just like out of your deck for that round. You've destroyed it. And then there's cards that say, well, every time you destroy a card, you gain X amount of armor and do X amount of attack to everything else. And then there's like another like relic, which is like just ba like passive abilities that you get as items. Um, it's like every time a card is destroyed, create a new card on the fly that could be any other card. And it's like wow, so like there's these crazy combos. It's like okay, I'm gonna destroy my whole hand, uh, do a bunch of damage, get a bunch of armor, and then I have a whole new hand. <laughs> so it's it's really neat. It's really um. It's really fun because it's like it's different every time, uh, and then between the three characters that have three different strategies, they all do different things. Like, uh, there's one guy that's more like a, just straight up like attack defense, and he's about increasing his strength, uh, and doing combos to get more armor. And there's another dude is about discarding cards for advantage and drawing more cards. And there's a third one, it's like, hey, I have all these crazy magical orbs above me that do something every turn, and let's manage these. So it's like, wow, like, different on every one. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing this week, uh, as far as gaming goes. Um, did you have anything you wanted to talk about, Haru? Yeah, um, so it was a game I've been anticipating and talking about probably near a month ago now on uh, this podcast was yeah. Games of Hyrule. Which, uh, yeah. very strangely got announced, not for a release that night at E3, but it got announced for a release that Friday. You know, just, just yeah, a chill. Like, hey, later this week, yeah. I, I mean, that's fine. But it's just sort of strange. But it is yeah. a... It's, it's Crypt of the Necronaster 2, is what it is. Uh, it's confusing, because there's Zelda characters. Uh, right. But it's, it's not a... There's Zelda elements in the Crypt of the Necrodancer game, is what I'd say. Uh, okay. And it's got sort of like the motif 
of uh, a lot of the music of A Link to the Past and uh, Ocarina of Time and a lot of the visual design of A Link to the Past. Uh, but it looks better because right. it's not made in on the SNES. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and just the pixel art is a huge improvement of Crypt of the Next Crypt of the Necrodancer uh, right off the bat. There's I'm not sure what bit it would be, but it's very detailed. Uh, a lot of pixels on the screen. Okay. It's not just like big squares you see. Right. And all the enemies, like in Crypt of the Necrodancer, are animated, so they have sort of uh, attack patterns and towels, uh, and they're sort of dancing around to the music, uh, as, as the games want to do. Uh, right. So, like, uh, uh, top level, it's a roguelike that is, uh, a rhythm game, so you have to move to the rhythm, but it's also sort of, um, that makes it sort of like an action game because the rhythm is it doesn't stop, right? It's 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 always uh, uh, happening always quickly, going. so you have to think on your feet. But it is sort of mm-hmm. like a strategy game in which you have four directions, the cardinal directions that you can move or attack, and it's contextual. So if you if you move into an enemy space, you'll attack them instead. Okay. And it's nice because you only really have to worry about. Uh, four buttons at the simplest level, uh, but you can mix in items on the face buttons the controller if you want to. Uh, so, you, so you sort of adventure around through a four dungeon Zelda uh, map, and it's procedurally generated to some extent. I haven't, I'm still on my first playthrough, so I haven't seen this, but uh, you have sort of an overworld like Zelda 1 with all the square rooms, and you explore that. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, and you'll get to sort of more scripted, I think, areas and dungeons that have bosses. And the dungeons and the secret rooms on the map are more like the actual uh, randomly generated cave levels from the Necrodancer, where you're more in a dungeon and there's like more defined walls and there's a lot more enemies okay. uh, and traps and boss rooms and things. Or mini boss rooms, I should say. Uh, I I do have a better idea what the game is because I actually watched a speed run of the original Crypt of the Necrodancer uh, since we last talked. Man, that game's tough. <laughs> it is. It, this Cadence of Hyrule is a lot more forgiving, I'd say, because you get uh, pieces of heart and you get a lot more health uh, quickly. Oh, okay. And you can actually cut grass and get hearts and things. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and, you know, bombs and arrow, arrows and magic, uh, uh, as you're watching. All the Zelda. classic Zelda stuff. <laughs> okay. Just the, just the most loaded grass you'll ever see. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I just really like it because it, of course, has all that Zelda music that's nice to hear. And yeah. the beat matching really adds something to it because sort of uh, this... This is in Crypt of the Necrodancer as well, but if you do a sequence of attacks, like essentially a combo, uh, on successive beats, the the attack sounds your character makes uh, will actually uh, vary and increase in intensity. You know, the standard mm. Zelda, huh, huh, yeah, 
but uh, it'll do it for all the characters too. Right. And, hmm. and yeah, you, you get Zelda items, and you get a lot of Crypt of the Necrodancer weapons. Uh, uh, it's yeah. I'm trying to kind of reaching for what to say with it, because uh, it's kind of just an experience of playing it. And there's a bunch of different mechanics with each of the enemies and each of the regions uh, that are a lot more specific. But anyway, I'm quite enjoying it. It's good to hear. Um, I, you know, it's it sounded like you were kind of down on it to begin with, but sounds like you're enjoying it like when we were talking about it before you were like i don't like how this happens and this happens like, all right <laughs> oh no that's just my uh the more you love a thing the more you have nitpicks true very true um okay awesome uh and did you have anything else you were playing or is that it uh yeah i mean i've been going back to tales of asperia uh, okay. I it sort of took a break with the Iceborne coming out, but understandable. I've gotten I've gotten pretty far, and that it was weird because I had originally played this game through on Xbox 360, and sort of stalled out because uh, I got stuck uh, having underleveled and gone into a dungeon. There's no backing out of very late in the game. I, oh. I assume. I think I'm oh, yeah, okay, okay. maybe halfway back to where I was. I honestly forget so much of this game because it's been so long. Uh, hmm. Oh, Jesus! I have to talk about this. Okay. The so this is the definitive edition of Tales of Asperia, which is a mm -hmm. Western localization of the original uh, expanded edition of the RPG released in Japan, which added the new character, which added a new party member. Uh, okay. And I really like the characters and the voice acting and the story. But the problem is, for the Definitive Edition, there were new scenes with the new character and just just around. And they got all the original voice actors back, except for the main character, who was voiced by Troy Baker. And now, he, so they replaced him with Troy Baker, or it used to be Troy Baker. No, it was Troy Baker, and Troy Baker is a great okay. voice actor. But now, it's kind of mean. It's, but they replaced him with a less talented voice actor. Uh, happens. His <laughs> name is Grant George, and you know Troy Baker has a voice. He's like uh, very breathy, sort of. And now we have to go to the next area. And he's got, he's got sort of right. an intonation of his voice that can imply attitude and different. Because your character, the main character Yuri Lowell, is a sort of re reject uh, knight who lives in the slums of the city, and he's very uh, he's framed as sort of a dark, uh, not an anti-hero exactly, but uh, sort of a not the best uh, shady dude. Uh, in a yeah. way. Uh, and then this guy, Grant George, comes in with this voice, and I don't know, it could be the director, it could be whatever. Obviously, Bandai Namco should have got the original voice actor, but he just says, Alright, guys, I guess we've got to go get to the dragon and thwart those magistrates. 
and things like that. Is he's got a very not this character voice. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. It changes the, the 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 feeling too much. Yeah, it's like it's like some sort of nineties He Man character. <laughs> like very stalwart voice. And he's just just like the experience of going between scenes where the character is alternating voices just back and forth, back and forth is so weird. It's very very jarring. Um and there's still there's still a couple scenes where not many because tales RPGs are usually voiced, but there's a couple scenes where there's just no voice acting at all, um, and I think they've gone back and voice acted some of the scenes in the original that didn't have voice acting, and I just like the cast, but I just the main character is in almost every scene, <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> it just bothers you. I get it. <laughs> uh, it's the strangest uh, thing but it, it is still a fun game the combat is slightly stiff but but satisfying you have uh, different melee attack patterns with every character even spellcasters uh, in Tales RPGs you can, you can switch around between all the characters in the action based combat uh, right and there's a skill system that you get from trying out different weapons and sort of a mastery uh, meter that lets you learn the skills attached to that weapon. Okay. And I've been diving pretty deep into that. Uh, you you have definitely have to choose, pick and choose which skills you're going to equip eventually. Hmm. Um, yeah, so you've, the in, in combat, the standard uh, combo is, is changed sort of like in Smash Brothers based on your directional input. Mm-hmm. And you've also got the special moves that you can map to uh, left, right, uh, up, down, and then uh, just, like, neutral uh, special attack button. And those can be spells okay. or uh, martial arts. And uh, it's just fun, forming a combo, because you get to stunlock enemies a little bit. Uh, with your basic combo, and then <laughs> flip and dunk on them with like a big slam sword attack. That's your special attack. Uh huh. Okay. Well, that sounds like it's a lot of fun. I never got into the Tales series, unfortunately. Never been a JRPG fan, so. Right. Um,. I guess I should probably close by having a less less positive note about the story. I am enjoying it, but there's some mm-hmm. weird stuff, dude. Um, the new okay. character is this eight-year-old. She's like an eight-year-old girl who's dressed up like a pirate. And her whole story arc is like, I'm in love with the main character. We're going to get married. And I just don't like it that whole trope in anime where they add just a random little girl as this weird quasi-fetish object. There's like a thing in Japan. Uh, yeah. I don't. It's uncomfortable. And and not just like it's ancillary, but that it sort of... Uh, I think it distracts from the main story. Because, sure. I mean, anime, you got a bunch of teenagers doing stuff, that's fine. But why is this little girl there? Why is this happening? <laughs> yeah, and you know, there's obviously the 
uh, uh, the Bechdel test uh, consideration of if you're going to make a female character, maybe don't have her whole thing be that she's crushing on a guy. Uh, True. And then uh, the story's fairly traditional uh, and sort of like there's an authority figure and you're subverting the authority figure and there's some mysteries uh, and some <laughs> some very clear villains, let's say. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, a little bit into the game there starts to be this arc where the, uh, let's say the female lead, Estelle, is this, uh, this, this noble who's never been outside of the castle, and she travels, she escapes with the hero after she's being, uh, uh, there's some weird coup going on, or, and some knights are approaching her. Uh, and, like, 30 hours into the game, when you get all this stuff, like, oh, everything she learns is from books, and she's like a walking encyclopedia, but she doesn't have any much real-world experience, and she doesn't know much about suffering outside of the, the castle or the the noble courts of the city. It's like, there's a big twist, and they're, and they're treated like, it's a big reveal. Did you know Estelle was a princess? I'm not sure you guessed it, but she was. And then the characters are all like, yeah, no, we figured. And then she's... Because <laughs> she's the one who's been concealing it in character. Um, so everyone sort of guesses it. So it's kind of weird that the game treats it as a sort of twist. Yeah. Um, and then a little bit later than that, again, like 30, 40 hours into just killing monsters nonstop, right? There's an overworld right. you have to you have to get through to go forward, right? Okay, makes sense. There's this whole thing where the knights uh, catch up with you, and they say, oh, well, Lady Estelle has to go back to the capital. It's not safe out here. And the main character just sort of goes along with it, and he's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's not safe out here. Meanwhile, <laughs> you can literally control this character and just wreck everyone's nonsense and just kill things over and over and over. So it's it's very... Uh, de- detached from just the actual physical reality of the game, where you're going through all these fights with this character, uh, and she and she's holding her own, and she's helping everyone else not die because she's a healer. Uh, she's very much the cleric build. It's, it's it was just strange and, and jarring because they it, it kept being brought up. It's like, oh well, is it safe to go in this dungeon with this with this uh, princess? It's like. Yeah, she, she's doing okay. Right. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, besides from those things, I am enjoying the relatively simple story. And Tales always has the skits, which are voiced uh, sort of character scenes, sort of like banter as you're, as you're walking around the world in an RPG. Okay. Yeah. One of these days I may play one of the Tales games just because people like them so much, but eh, who knows? I do have a uh, a tendency to not really care about story in video games, so... <laughs> and that seems to be the basis of what a lot of people like this genre for. There is, uh, so. there is Tales of Arise coming out next year, which uh, <laughs> looks ridiculous, but it looks really nice. I mean, I'm going to have to get that because I get every fantasy RPG because there's not that many of them. 
Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think that wraps us up for today. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thanks, Wolfie, for the music. Didn't say it at the beginning, but I'll remember it now. <laughs> uh, and this is Fortuan. Uh, you'll probably see me on Twitter at HuntersHubPod, uh, probably. Um, I don't know. Talking about Doom, honestly. Still excited. <laughs> um, and I will see you guys next quest. And on that quest, where will you be, Haru? I'm uh, at AkaneZDebran on Twitter. I've been retweeting a lot of Iceborne stuff, a little bit of political stuff. Uh, so, you know, uh, buy the ticket, take the ride. <laughs> nice. That's a good way to put it. Alrighty. We'll see you guys.